adversity, bring it. The struggle, I welcome. Snooze on life, never let it. I am Dave Regina, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back, No Snooze Podcast, episode 164. As always, I'm in the booth with a new three. We have Kevin, first place, Pierre Lewis, Claudio, the voice, Valenzuela, and I am Dave, the body, Regina. Kevin Pierre Lewis hails from Connecticut. He's an NFL linebacker drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in 2014. Kevin played his college football years for Boston College, where he started in all 13 games and became an All-American. As a senior, he was named a first-team All-ACC player. After Seattle, Kevin went on to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, New York Jets, Chicago Bears, Washington football team, and the Houston Texans. Although athletics was and is a huge part of Kevin's life, he found it vital that it wasn't the only thing that defined him. Kevin also attended Miami's executive MBA program and has also worked in the Starbucks and Microsoft corporate offices. Kevin's a great friend of mine, and I couldn't be happier to have him here. Welcome to the podcast, my brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Would love to take a quick moment to, you know, give you your flowers right now. Cause as we as we know, you know, we have a relationship that exceeds time. What yes. goes starts way back. And to see your personal growth and for me to recognize, you know, how well versed you are as an individual is is truly impressive. And it's inspiring, honestly. And I hope others that know you outside of this recognize those same things as well. So I just want to make sure I give you your flowers on that. I'm not going to lie, Kev. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm, I'm blushing a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> but to hear that from you, uh, that means a lot, man. And I, I couldn't think more highly of you. Um, it's been almost 20 years, man. You know, when you think about that, right? You're, what, 32, 32. now? 32. So I met you when you were 13, yeah. 13 years yeah. old. We go back, man. Um, so thank you for that. I, I genuinely appreciate that. Um, to be transparent here, right, I had to give Kevin the nickname First Place because Kev, he's very competitive. You know, so he invites my buddy and I over in the summertime, and we're doing an adult, um, it's, it's an adult festival, we'll call it, yeah. right? A little beer pong, some, some things get competitive. So I came in second place, and I am... Uh, I'm not happy about it. I think about it all the time, to be honest with you. I just saw, <laughs> I just saw, I just saw Anya at the mall. Um, and it was the first thing I said. I was like, yo, I saw Kevin the summertime. And he beat me in beer pong. <laughs> so I'll give you your flowers for no, that first place not. win, man. All right. Enjoy that. No, I, I guess busy on the table. <laughs> I appreciate um, you. Yeah, man. All right. So let's get, let's get into it. We'll go all over the place, but um, specifically with you, Haitian culture, mm. right? You were always a ridiculously hard worker, you know, and that's something that I saw. I was always two years older than you. But even when I'm in 10th grade and you're in eighth grade, there was something different about you. Obviously, you had the physical abilities, but you also had that that mental toughness early on. Right. I know a lot of Haitian individuals who are, again, some of the hardest 
working people in the world. Do you think that Haitian culture has anything to do with that? And talk to me a little bit about the upbringing. Yeah, I, I can't pinpoint exactly what it is, but there's definitely something. Um, there's there's something that a lot of us possess. And, you know, Haitians were, you know, won their independence. So there's something within that culture that's always wanted to stand up against the grain mm -hmm. and do something better. And, you know, from a young age, a lot of Haitians understand respect early, respect for your elders, respect for authority, um, you know, always making sure you lead with respect and be mindful of that. And I think those that starting from that foundation has allowed me to sit back, watch, listen, and understand. You know, a Jesuit at Boston College told me one, well, didn't tell me personally, but he told a group of us, but I felt as though he was speaking to me. You know, are you, are you listening or are you just waiting to speak? And in a Haitian household, you listen. <laughs> That's what you learn from, from day one. And so that, that foundation has allowed me to sit back and learn and pay attention to what people say and what they do, see if it comes together. Mm -hmm. And from there, just, you know, coming and coming from, as you quote unquote, nothing, there's only one way but to go is up. You know, mm -hmm. you recognize life what it is and you say, okay, well, I need to do something different. Yep. Let me see how I can learn from others to achieve some of these different things that at this point in my life, I don't know anything about. So it pretty much just started from there and made some good decisions, um, enough good decisions. You know, learning process, sometimes you make some decisions that aren't good and everything has worked out. Mm. So you and I always had a, a commonality. When I was in high school, I specifically lived with with my father, right? Mm -hmm. And I know coming up for you, you lived with dad for the majority of your years. Um, what were, I guess, what was that? What was that dynamic like? Um, being in the house and then siblings, siblings involved. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the family dynamic. For sure. Um, so you know, little backstory, which some people know, some people don't. Uh, unfortunately, mother has shot my father when I was very young. And I got to watch a man go through a process of, you know, doctors saying he'll never be able to walk again. And he defies those odds. So now I'm in a household with a man that people have constantly said he could not do something. And he did it. That's a very difficult person to kind of combat with, you know, what can you tell him? Really? He defies these odds. So, um, it, you know, I definitely had some, some road bumps, um, understandably so, being young, trying to figure out life. But that man just gave me an example of how to be a father. Um, it gave me examples of how to be a man. And uh, he ruled an iron thumb, iron fist, excuse me. All he, all he cared about was school. He recognized some of the mistakes that he made that put him in certain positions that he was in as an adult. And the one thing he said that he could have control over, that he can help us, as in my four younger brothers with, was education was number one. So everything stemmed around then. Everything stemmed around, hey, we're in a position that we are in right now. I don't want you to be in that position. At school is going to be the way out. He never cared about sports. I only played sports, so I wasn't, as you say, running around in the hood. Mm -hmm. He just, idle time is a man's worst enemy. He did not want me to have that idle time. So if it was football season, I'm playing football, basketball, basketball, baseball, baseball, AAU, you name it. Yep. And all that was just to make sure during my downtime when I was not at school, I was doing something. Um, 
and that that gave me a foundation of the man that I am today because sports was always something that I enjoyed doing just because I was with my peers, but school was always number one. And that being so um, mindful about education has opened so many doors for me. It allowed me to set myself apart from some of my other peers who weren't as mindful when it came to education. And, you know, when you're coming from a certain environment, you have to stick out. Mm -hmm. You have to stick out. People expect certain things of you. Someone like myself, they think, oh, you're just an athlete. But because I had that other um, tool at my disposal, it, I was able to, to use it. Mm. So a lot of... Um a lot of male personalities in the house growing uh, up, right? <laughs> a lot, a lot of fighting, a lot of wrestling, all yeah. that stuff. Did you guys keep a relationship with mom? Mom was incarcerated, correct? From yes. for this, mm -hmm. uh, did you guys keep a relationship as you came up? So when it comes to my mother, uh, I'm her only child. So it's my my mother, and then I have four younger brothers, different mom. Um, the relationship, as best as I could, was kept with her, you know, visits to, to the jail, going through the whole process, you know, it's it's crazy. Some of the memories that are so ingrained in me from a very young age. Like what, can you can you share one? So for example, you know, when going through the process, waiting a couple hours in, a, in the waiting area, uh, going through security, we actually were at, she was at a place where we could talk, we could touch each other. And then the thing that always sticks with me is when we left, as the doors closes, all you have, all you see is that glass. And we used to always do uh, I love you. Getting a little choked up about that, but um, that was special. And and in those moments, it, it really just shows being that young, man, kids, kids pay attention to more than we ever think. Mm -hmm. They know. And I feel as though as when we get older and become parents ourselves, some of us forget who we were when we were that age and how conscious we were of our decisions and other people's decisions. And I'm blessed enough to have those concrete memories because it always reminds me, you know, people pay attention more, you know, not just kids, it's everybody. Yeah. You don't know that it might be a small moment to someone else, but to that next individual, it's the biggest moment ever. And um, unfortunately, to be transparent, you know, as adults, we don't have the best relationship when it comes to my mother and I. Um, but I hold on to those special moments because those are the moments that I choose to focus on regardless of, um, if there's a lack of communication with us now. Kev, I just got to tell you, um, I appreciate the vulnerability For right, sure. right from the jump. You know, I, I, I know this stuff about you, obviously, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you, the way you tell your story is, is really impactful. Um, and, and I think you getting choked up about it, it just shows, you know, that there is so much more to you than when people just see this strong. And I mean, because you, you are a you are a, a figure, my brother. Appreciate <laughs> you know appreciate what I mean? You really are. Yeah. Um, Kev, he not only a physical specimen always, but you, you always had this intellectual like intellectual discipline about mm. you where you could take conversations and you could be in the hood in one second. Mm -hmm. Right. And then. There wasn't too many of us growing up that can completely do the opposite and show the the most incredible form of respect. Um, and everybody always says that about you. Well, so I just want to tell yeah, you that. Nah, I, I freaking, um, that's why my social media handle <laughs> is Mr. Hyde, playing off the Dr. Dreckel and Mr. Hyde thing. I've always felt as though I've had to live two different lives respectfully. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I've always, I've been around violence. I've seen what it, what it can do. And a lot of, and there's other individuals that's been in situations like myself, but I've always chosen peace. I've realized there's a bit of that violence within myself mm. and knowing what it can lead to us. Okay, do whatever you need to do to choose peace. Be mindful of the environments in you in. Some people, um, some people look down on violence and the reality is sometimes you need it depending on the circumstance. So it's like finding that balance, you know, which person are you going to be today given the circumstance? Cause not every circumstance calls for being the greatest person. Sometimes you need to stand on what you stand on and trying to find that balance has been my journey. Like a lot of us. Mm. And what's your, um, what's your take on dad? Like for for you, well for for me, my dad is like my hero, mm. you know, and my grandfather as well. May he rest in peace. Um, but I think there's something to be said about you know having a strong mm -hmm. presence as a man in in a house, um, and even from a professional standpoint, where where CV and I work, um, and obviously where you grew up, you know, you've seen so many children without fathers. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious, you know, what your as you move through all the success that we we spoke about, we'll continue to speak about in terms of you. What do you hold closest about dad? There's a lot, but if I can do my best off the top of my head to single something down, it would be, um, for my definition, he showed me examples of being a real man, um, being a flawed man. And, you know, he fell short on some things, but one thing I can never take away from him is, he did all that he could with the resources that he had. Mm. It's not about um, focusing on what you have and what you don't have. He said, this is what the circumstances are. This is what I can do. He was, it was a man that always did all that he could do, regardless of the circumstances. And to me, I think that's a, a big part of being a man. It's not about looking at outside things and saying, hey, this is what I have. How can I use my resources to the best of my ability to get as close as I can to a better life for myself and for those around me? And there's countless examples of him doing that. You know, didn't didn't have too much, but he he made things. You know, I, I never always say. You know, sometimes might have been a little hungry, but never starved. Those are mm. two very different things. Mm. Some things, everything was always figured out. And as an adult and as a parent myself going through some of the struggles that I go through, being very blessed, you know, one aspect financially, very blessed. I'm like, man, could I have done the same thing if I was given those cars that he was given? Don't know. I would like to say I could, but sometimes I stress about things while I'm as blessed as I am. That's a lot of weight that some of these parents hold and we don't understand until we get into their positions. You know, like, wow, I'm thankful. Thank you. I see what you were doing now. And um, he just given me plenty of examples of of that, and I will forever be thankful. I'm sure you know we'll have our little riffs, you know. As now we're we're two men talking to each other yeah. now. It's not father and son. It's two men, and um, regardless of how that relationship unfolds, because now we're entering a new chapter in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm always gonna love that man because he. He's given me plenty of examples and a lot of the foundations that I hold now. 
He did it, man. And shout out, yeah. shout out to Dad. Uh, God bless. Um, so talk to me a little bit about sports, Kev. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's ironic because I know that basketball yeah. was a real like passion of yours. You know, and then you end up in the NFL, mm-hmm. multiple organizations, multiple years. And how did how did that how did that happen? I guess along along the way, right? Um, and then if you want to throw in there how much of a beast I was in high school, you know, be, <laughs> feel free to feel free to let uh, people know. <laughs> as much as I don't want to, because I know it's just going to feed you. You know, I have to be honest. That boy Dave can shoot. That boy Dave can ball. I I can't take that away from you, man. <laughs> uh, I know we're laughing and joking about it now, but I'm I'm being serious. The boy the boy boy can play some ball. Um. But now back on thank me. You, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, like you said, you know, basketball was something that I grew a passion for. It was something I could work on on my own. You know, going to the courts in my neighborhood, uh, playing against certain individuals. You know, growing up, everybody knew I was good at football just because I was a little aggressive. But no one really talked about that. Everybody, oh, you're going to go to the NBA. Um in basketball, I'm a, I'm a pretty humble person, which I always find funny because it's like when you say that you're humble, are you really being humble when you say that you're humble? Kind well, of. Well, I can say that you're a very for humble sure. person. I appreciate <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> but still, don't get it twisted because confidence, right? Sometimes people, mm, they mistake the confidence for cockiness. Yes. Jada Kiss, shout out to Kiss. But, yeah. you know, that's just, that's not the case. So you are absolutely a humble person. I, I appreciate you. But when it came to ball, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk a little bit. Like football, I don't, I don't say a word. I play the game, get out of my face. Basketball, man, there's nothing sweeter than hitting somebody with a nice little cross. And, yeah. <laughs> man, there's there's nothing sweeter than that. Um, so you think it was the swag, though, that you you liked about the, the sport of basketball itself? Yeah, just something just drew me towards it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think with basketball, you can – I guess it was the the personal success that you can get – and despite of a lot of things, you know, you had more control of an outcome in basketball. Because um, with other sports, you can do all that you can and, and still things don't work out. But in basketball, you you have a little bit more of a say depending on how you're playing. Like, hey, we're down this. No one else is putting up these points. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I got to go crazy. You playing football, you're on defense, you're a linebacker. We're down 20. There's not much you can do. Oh, I'll get this interception. <laughs> that opportunity might come. Oh, I'll get a, a, a fumble. The opportunity might come. But in basketball, you can make it more about you and, and really be there for your teammates a little bit more and, and see those results immediately. Um, but it, it but it was fun. Um, just more opportunity. You got to play, you know, all year round. Go outdoors. You go indoors. Mm-hmm. Sport like football. It was only in a set time period. Um, didn't cost you know any money. You just got to get a basketball, and you were all good. Back in the days, we used to wear shorts under our jeans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kids the days, kids nowadays don't know about no, that. No, absolutely not. But um, yeah, I guess to elaborate on more, it just some something about that game just yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, basketball was like an identity thing, right? Like mm. you know, it allowed me to be somebody that like. I couldn't really show my personality, especially at a school like King, right? Definitely. And shout out to King, which is the name now, but we know it as King, King Lowe or Haywood Thomas. King Lowe? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it allowed me to like basically be this uh, mental monster, mm. right? Like, so I didn't have, you know, I was sick in high school. I had Crohn's yeah. disease and, 
you know, I was very skinny physically, but like something about the game of basketball kept my confidence at a very high level. But then like Kev, Kev was in eighth grade at the time. I was in 10th grade. Our, we had Coach Braun, right? And he was, he was, a, he was mm. a loose dude, man. Yeah. Shout out to Coach Braun. Shout out to Coach Braun. But he would stick Kev serious. on me. And I'm like, ah, there's this beast of an eighth grader. Like, I want to bust him up, but I can't yeah, because he's so strong. So, like, I'd run him into picks off of Nate Collins, these big bodies and stuff like that. But I always had this, like, the the mental piece, right? Mm -hmm. I, I needed that to kind of be successful. What was it like, I guess, for you tying the physical ability, mm -hmm. right? Because clearly you had physical gifts. But now you became an elite athlete because you were able to blend the two. Got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how did that... I guess, how did you manage that? Because that's it's very easy to walk around and bully people. Definitely. You did the complete opposite. And that's just the person that you are. You know, the most kind and respectful man that I know. Um, so how do you, how'd you separate that and then live life? I, th I think it goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier or what I had brought up is trying to find a way to um, differentiate myself. How can I be different? Mm. So I have this aggressive nature playing basketball. A lot of guys aren't like that. You know, we, as you, as a basketball player, you see yeah. when those football guys come on, it's like, man, this, <laughs> this we're not playing football out here. This yeah. is basketball. So um, I'm like, okay, well, how can I use that to the best of my ability to stand out to, to where everyone to say, okay, this kid is different. And it was tapping into the moments, you know, playing defense. Okay. Can be a little bit more aggressive on defense. Hey, someone's on a fast break, let's show your speed. Mm -hmm. Understanding what attributes that I had, how can I, how can I use these to for the betterment of the team? And that just became my focus. You know, a lot of guys are aggressive, a lot of guys don't want to play defense. Play defense. I'm gonna play, defense, yeah. I'm gonna play defense. Some guys are bigger, I'm a little bit smaller, depending on you know who we're playing. You know what? I'm gonna show them I'm I'm bigger than who what I look like, what my stature is. Mm -hmm. So basketball, you know, awarded me those opportunities to show how different I could be than other people, mm. um, what I can bring to the table. And, you know, not making it about myself, just making it say, hey, I have value too. I would like to show my value to you because I care. I care about these individuals. I want to keep working. You know, guys aren't hustling. I care. Let me hustle. Let me show you, like, we have to work at this. Yep. Let's all come together and do this. And especially sometimes being a younger guy in certain situations, like, okay, I can't speak up as much, but I can show because I already possess these things. Mm. Show that. And so that way it can open a door so now my voice can be heard. Mm. So I, I build up the sport of basketball for a very specific reason because I, I want to know from you now, you basically, it was a decision of yours to mm. give up yeah. something that you just spoke about was such a passion of yours, right? Mm -hmm. Because I guess you couldn't do both at that very high level, right? So how difficult was it to then ultimately say, you know what? All right, sport of basketball, going bye-bye. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed. Even though you did give me, while I was a senior, you still played for me, so yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. But I think after that, you you stopped playing basketball, yeah. right? And you made the transition, obviously, to playing football and then lacrosse, yes. right? How tough was that of a of a decision? And then when did the football thing really begin to take off? Not playing basketball was tough. Um, just, you know, as an eighth grader playing up on a varsity team, there were certain things I just wanted to be handled a little bit differently mm -hmm. and certain understandings to be had, and they they weren't. And at that time, I started recognizing 
it's affecting my play. You know, when I played basketball, I was free. I do best when I'm, I'm not really thinking of things. I'm not really dwelling on too much. Now I'm overthinking. Now I have a lack of confidence. Um, I just felt pieces of me changing. The love for the game was gone now. And at any level, you lose a love for something. It's, it makes it that much more difficult. And just being young, I figured, you know, it's probably just best I just don't play. And as you said, I came back senior year because I loved it so much, mm -hmm. seeing all the guys work. I'm, I'm a person that if I'm sitting on the sideline where all my brothers are working, it doesn't make me feel good. Like maybe I can help. And so I decided to come back one year because I definitely loved it. But um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought when it came to that, but I haven't thought about ball in a long time. Yeah, no, so I know. Just, I, yeah, this yeah. is jogging course, a lot of, of memories right now, um, a lot of experiences, but pretty much just some things that happened where it's like, you know, I had to make a choice. All right, what's better for me? I'll mm -hmm. stop playing ball. Maybe I'll focus a little bit more on football. And that honestly was, ended up being one of the better decisions that I made. I didn't know that it would have been at that time. Right. It was purely just personal. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like doing this. Yeah. But it, it worked out in my favor. It did. This episode is sponsored by Light Crafters, your professional Christmas light installers. Are you tired of spending countless hours untangling Christmas lights, climbing ladders, and struggling to create that perfect holiday ambiance? Look no further. Light Crafters is here to transform your home into a winter wonderland with their professional Christmas light installation services. At Light Crafters, they understand the importance of creating a magical atmosphere during the holiday season. Their team of skilled and experienced installers are dedicated to bringing your vision to life, ensuring that your home stands out as the epitome of festive cheer. Why choose Light Crafters? Here's what sets them apart. Expertise. Their team consists of highly trained professionals who have mastered the art of Christmas light installation. With years of experience under their belts, they know the best techniques and have an eye for detail, guaranteeing a flawless display every time. Customization. They believe that every home is unique and your Christmas light display should reflect your personal style. Their designers will work closely with you to understand your preferences and create a customized plan that perfectly complements your home's architecture and landscape. A hassle-free experience. Say goodbye to the stress and frustration of dealing with tangled lights and malfunctioning bulbs. Light Crafters takes care of everything from design and installation to maintenance and takedown. Sit back, relax, and let them handle the hard work while you enjoy the magic of the season. This Christmas, let Light Crafters be your go-to professional Christmas light installers. Contact them today to schedule a consultation and let the team bring your holiday dreams to life. You can find them on Instagram at LightCraftersNY. Don't forget to tell them that you're a friend of the No Snooze podcast. Now, back to the epi. Uh, so a lot of people, well, they may or may not know about this, but you also had a, um, I guess, a specific aspiration of like mm. armed forces yeah, work, man. right? Like specifically Marines, right? Yes. Where did that stem from? <laughs> Couldn't tell you exactly where it stemmed from, but, you know, playing sports is something, like I said, I just did with my peers, but I was always a hard worker because that's just who I was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I spent around individuals growing up from, you know, Pop Warner all the way throughout. 
everybody's oh, I want to, I want to go to the NFL, this, that, and third. I would hear these from these individuals, but these same individuals, I'll see their work ethic. I'm like, how do you want to achieve this? But you're lazy. You don't want to finish these drills. You don't want to put the work in. It's like, I'm not person. I'm not even, that's not even my plan of mine. And I'm doing that. And it just confused me. And honestly, just didn't like it. And so something always drew, drew me towards the armed forces. But then another thought of mine was being around more like-minded individuals. Um, you know, when you're out there, none of that stuff matters. That person's count, that person's life is in your hands. Mm. You know, it's, it's really everybody's working towards a common goal. And I've always carried myself a certain way. And lastly, you know, I thought, am I really the person that I believe that I am? And I felt as though the armed forces would have tested that. Am I really who I think I am? And that's just something I always wanted to do. I used to beg my father to send me to military boarding school. My uncle was uh, a- <laughs> That's a weird request. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I told you, this is very different, right? Like, uh, dad, please send me to the armed forces. Please let me go fight for the country. Like, yeah. what, what a guy, what a guy. <laughs> he, was, he was very against it. He also, you know, definitely thought I was kidding. My father was in the armed reserve. My uncle, um, I think he's done now. He was a sergeant major. That didn't influence my decision at all. But because of his background, he had different opinions about it. So I would constantly talk to him. This is what I want to do. And I definitely realized he didn't know that I was serious. And I'm going to jump forward a little bit. Um, when I first got to Boston College, January 18th, 2010, I put Semper Fi on my locker. That was my goal. I said, I'm going to go to school. I get to attend Boston College early as a mid-year. I'll finish college early. I'm going to go to OCS. I'm going to become an officer, hopefully become a recon Marine. And that was going to be life. No family, no kids, nothing. So senior year, you know, started all four years in college. Senior year rolls around. And when our games going to be televised against Virginia Tech, you know, when when those games are televised, they come in a couple days earlier, ask you questions, this, that, and the third. And one of the guys said, hey, so how does it feel knowing that you're going to be playing on Sundays one year or next year? And I told him, I don't know. <laughs> like, true story. Almost, I said, I don't know. It's like, what do you mean? Of course, he was confused. I said, that's not what I want to do. Mind you, everybody at school knows this about me. All my teammates know what my plan was. I had it on my locker. I vocalized these things. And so I tell them what my plan was. Now this game's on TV. I happen to be you know, making a bunch of plays, fortunate enough. And so they talk about this on air. <laughs> and that was the moment my father realized, oh, this kid was serious. You know, making plays, you know, it's crazy. He's not even going to play uh, next year. I remember that game was over. We won. I have a bunch of calls and text messages from family members, not from my father, from family <laughs> members. And at this time, you know, he, he influenced my decision-making a lot. And it wasn't as though he wanted me to play in the NFL. Um, that was, shoot, he, he, he had no idea that I could. It was just, I just don't want you to do that. And he had his reasons why. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I said, okay, then I won't. I'll see what happens with this NFL thing. Literally, that's what I said in my head. I'll just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> true story, said, man. It true is so story. true, too. So um, true. Well, <laughs> since we're on the topic, we'll go back to other things. Like, to paint a picture, like draft night, 
Yeah, yeah. I fell asleep. <laughs> I said, I'm going to You never a watched a draft in your life, right? Never watched a draft in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it got to a point, like, I, all you know, you had a certain coach. I went to the combine. I did well. All these different things. So I knew the possibility of me having an opportunity in the NFL was real. Didn't know I was going to be drafted or whatnot. But I remember I'm watching, I'm going for a while. Now I'm kind of invested. Right. I'm waiting on a phone call. I'm getting tired. I said, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to take a nap. So stupid. So stupid, by the way. I'm going to call myself out on that. But I remember waking waking up and a couple of my friends had got drafted. So send them a quick message. People were contacting me. And out of nowhere, I see a 425 number, Seattle Seahawks. At the combine, you have these things called official is it official visit or official meeting? It's something to where you're meeting pretty much with that entire organization that's that's at the combine, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. But they were the only team that I had one of those with. Mind you, they had just won a Super Bowl. They have a bunch of linebackers. Um, I have other teams where the, the linebacker coach is calling me every other day, talking about how I'm going to fit into their system, where they plan on drafting me. All these different things. So I see a four two five number, and people will say, "Hey, how cool it'd be to get drafted to the Seattle Seahawks?" I said, "That will never happen." I literally said, "That will never happen. <laughs> it's not a chance." I almost didn't pick up. I said, "No way." And I waited a couple seconds, so I picked up. Snyder was on the phone. He said, "Would you like to become a Seattle Seahawk?" I said, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> it's and, been a dream my whole life, <laughs> man. And that was that. And so I. Back then, you left immediately. So gave them the information, packed two suitcases, off to Seattle the following day. The following day. Yeah. Wow. And now, so when you get into, so when you get into Seattle, and you did a great job of getting us there now, mm-hmm. um, and you tell the story so well. When you get there, mm-hmm. are you starstruck at all? Like, they just won the Super Bowl, like you said, right? And now there's some big-time players over there, too. And even coach himself. Yeah. Right. Like this, this is not like just a first year coach that you're, you're dealing with. Right. So what was that experience like? How did you uh, how'd you how'd you acclimate to Seattle? I couldn't have ended up in a better place. Um, I didn't grow up watching. So before before I got drafted, I can count on one hand how many NFL games I watched my entire life. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. right? Yeah. Like I can. We went yeah. I went went to the NFL party to party <laughs> to drink, play some bear pong, get my skills up. Um, <laughs> so there were some individuals that I should have recognized at first that I honestly <laughs> just did not, you know, for example, I remember Bobby Wagner came up to me one of our, before one of our first practices who I have a lot of respect for Oof, that man puts in work. But I remember before I didn't know who he was, I didn't know he's second <laughs> round pick, you know, starting middle linebacker, yeah. just won a Super Bowl. I just see a big, strong dude, like a half an inch shorter than me. It's like, hey, man, Bobby, man, nice to meet you. Glad to have you part. I was like, all right, cool, man. Appreciate you. Kept Kev. it moving. <laughs> I'm Kev. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I never really put too many people on a on a pedestal. Um, but because of the vets, so Bobby being one of them, KJ Wright, uh, Cam Chancellor, uh, Richard Sherman, um, Michael Bennett, uh, Brandon Meebang, um, J.R. Sweezy, and I'm just going to stop there because I can name There's, yeah, there's can so them. many individuals. Earl Toms, I got to put that in there. Um, they were real professionals. And that might go over some people's head. Um, you know, Just playing NFL is one thing, but being a true professional, it's a totally different thing. It's the demeanor. It's, it's, 
It's what you do each day. And once again, now I'm put in a position where like my father, I got to see the examples of the actions that he took. Now I'm with people that some talk a lot and some don't, but the common denominator that they had is how they approached each day and the actions behind it. Watching these dudes put in the X work, getting in the building early, um, getting their routine down, freaking uh, getting in the training room. Don't have to be hurt. I had to learn that the hard way. You don't have to be hurt to get in the training room. Hot tub, cold tub, uh, getting the stretchings in, soft tissue work. I got to learn that everything was truly about the preparation. It was never about truly the result. It's, it's getting there. Can you be prepared to attack that day each day? And Coach Carroll, he built that atmosphere. You had no excuse. Anything that you needed as a player, you pretty much got. Our practices were short compared to other teams, but it was high pace. The efficiency, like we, right? We, we never condition because you, you'll be able to tell if a person conditioned or not just by going through practice. So he basically was like, make sure you condition on your own. We're going to focus on the efficiency of our practice time. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you're saying? It, it was he was the person that kept the main thing the main thing. Gotcha. We don't I don't we don't have time to be. Right. To You're run in the you NFL. Guys. You should be conditioned. What are we Boom. talking about? This we're, gotcha. we're, we're trying to get okay. to these goals. We're we're trying to win these games. Everything's about winning games. Um, so he took care of everything off the field, so you can take care of everything on the field. Mm. And it was just a great atmosphere where everyone was accountable for them. He didn't have to do too much coaching. It was more directing. Right. Um, and he had the individuals to uphold that standard. And, you know, you had guys like, for example, like Earl Thomas. Want to talk about, everybody talks about uh, go 100% all the time. Let's just keep it real. Doesn't really happen. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be quite literal. Yeah. Except for Earl Thomas. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Almost quite literal, man. So you'll, you'll, you'll probably hear it on other like interviews or podcasts, people talk about him. Uh, he was locked in 110% of the time. We're going through walkthroughs. Dudes, now these vets, they got cleats on. We're supposed to jog through things. Guys are icy hot getting ready for a walkthrough because it was that intense. He was sometimes, you know, somebody come on a slant, give him a little shoulder bump. Not everybody could do that. You had to recognize who you were. If I did a little shoulder pump, I'm out of there. <laughs> but... Man, there was just so many examples of guys being pros and put in the extra film work. Like Bobby Wagner used to, Bobby Wagner doesn't play special teams. He was in every single special teams meeting. Really? Watching film. Wow. Now he was doing his own thing, watching, but he he made the time. He's like, hey, this environment is going to help me. Because me and him sat next to each other the entire time watching film, watching his film, watching other people's film, watching the team that we're going to play around a lot of individuals that was always just trying to master their craft, mm -hmm. you know? Um, quick, small story. I remember uh, Cam Chancellor, the only man that ever put a little ounce of fear in my heart, which I don't like to admit, but it's real. I want to say it's probably a like year three. Um, he's doing his thing, going through his routine. This is off season, mind you. I go up to him one time and I said, bro, I, I would like to, I never told him this too. I told other people, I, I would like to hit like you one day. And so he's taking me through the motions and, and everything that he does. He's telling me, like, you know, when you're hitting someone, it's kind of like throwing a punch. That's what I think about. Like when I'm when I'm engaging, I'm popping the shoulder. And so he's throwing the punch. I have a shield and he shows me the Bruce Lee six inch punch. So he's like, it's just like that. Like when you when you tackle someone's pop, 
and he just go Foop, and hits the shield. Mind you, my face, I'm like, okay, cool, cool, got it. Just like that. Deep down inside, I wanted to get on one knee so bad. Oh, I've never felt so much strength impact get generated like wow. that. And I'm like, oh my God. Like it was the more I said, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> like if we had to get into, I'm not going, I can't back down, but right. <laughs> I, I know the potential possibilities, yeah. man. And you were always a hard hitter too. So that's that's crazy. Did you start implementing that style of play into your own? Try, try to, try to. Um, definitely was nowhere near close like him. There was certain opportunities that I had, but uh, it was definitely tough. He's mastered that though. He was just a different mm -hmm. individual. Like one of, those, one of the nicest people, just he's just a real professional, real man. Doesn't really talk much when he says something that's important because he's choosing to speak on something. Let people do his thing. Shoot, I never. I told uh, Jimmy Graham that story. Like, bro, he goes, he stops. He goes, yo, yo, yo. trust me, I know. <laughs> I know. I I've been like, there. I got, I got, it, got, it, got you. Got I heard you. But, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, man, it, it, it was an experience, and to be, say the least, right? yeah, being around those individuals. You know, I've made my mistakes for sure because it hasn't all been pretty. But without them setting that example, there's no way I would have lasted as long as yeah. I did. Not a chance, man. Yeah, so the the NFL, mm -hmm. I mean, to some people, stands for not for long, right? Because you see so many different styles of athletes. You have those elite professionals. Um, but I think the typical average, and obviously you speak on this better than me, three years, I think, is the average of the NFL, like uh, the average NFL time for a mm -hmm. player, right? Something along those lines. Am I close? Yeah, so it, it, it definitely, to be uh, exact, it, it depends on um, – it depends on how you look at that statistic, you know, because mm -hmm. if you're an active player, it might be a tiny bit longer. Right. But if it's someone, if you were a part of a team, yep. for sure, if you count everybody, it's definitely like two and a half, yeah, three which, years. Which, sure. which is crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I guess really what I want to hear, though, about is is the ugly side of the business. Mm. So I watch specifically the uh, Hard Knocks for the for the New York Jets, right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. year. Great documentary. Yeah. And it's... It's very eye-opening because, you know, from the outside looking in, it almost looks like the dream to everybody. But then you have certain players who literally, you know, you're in there on one day and you're getting your reps in and you're fighting for that spot and you're eating the meals and people are doing your laundry and mm -hmm. you're getting all the things. And then you get that tap on the shoulder like mm -hmm. you're either cut, you're traded, you're released and everything in, be in between. How have you experienced that? And... How, I guess, do you continue to then move forward after like experiences like that? For sure. Um, talk about the ugly truth. Back to Seattle. That place showed me the, the realities of the business, that no one is safe. So I'll never forget when Percy Harvin, uh, who, man, that was such a good dude. He was one of the first dudes that really like showed me love. So I always got a uh, soft spot for him. But, um, when he got traded, so how the schedule usually is, like Saturdays, we have a walkthrough, like a little jog through mm -hmm. before even if it's a home game, we'll still have that. If it's an away game, we'll have a little walkthrough, jog through, you know, go through the special team stuff. Offense has 15, 20 plays. Defense has 15, 20 plays, whatever it might be. Um, and after that, you shower, you get on the bus, go to the airport to fly to wherever we're going to go and play that following day. 
Percy went through the entire walkthrough. Mind you, this is Percy Harvin. He's one of those guys right. on the team. Walkthrough's done. Don't get on the bus. You got traded. A coach stops him, or in, like what, is, uh, what, player, what type some, of some some um, agent some. Whoever a representative, is, yeah, okay. a representative yeah. of the team, um, whose responsibility that is. Sometimes it, it varies. That's it might a tough be a, job. Yeah, it's not always the same. But you, you kind of know who could for sure. But it was. It took us all by sh- shot. Like we know it can happen, but we just y'all just had this dude go through the whole walkthrough, and then let him go. And it's not like this is just some right. person that's filling the spot. Come on, let's keep it real mm-hmm. here. I remember we're on the bus, like, where is he going? It's like, yeah, they traded him. I was like, man, this is crazy. But we it, it got to the point where some practices, we would try to figure out who was cut. Who's out of here? By the oh, end of the crazy. day. Because we'll see a new face. So we're like, all right, well, clearly someone's gone because that's a, that's a new player right now. Yeah. There's guys that were brought in, like, just for the day. Like, they brought him in, flew him in that morning, go through meetings, go through practice before afternoon's meetings start. They had already let them go. Adios. Freaking guys, they'll cut. That person's at the airport. Someone gets hurt during practice. Hey, did you get on the flight yet? No. We're sitting in a car right now. Come back. Like it, it, it can get sticky. It can get real sticky. I mean, there's cuts before games, like mm-hmm. the night of the games while you're at the hotel, where, you know, let's say if there's, um, let's say offensive linemen, you travel with six. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them gets hurt, so you only have five. They'll cut someone from another position, bring up an office alignment for the active. That person might not even touch the field, but just in case they needed them, cut that person after the game and hopefully try to get the person that they previously cut back with the squad. Because you have to like go through waivers yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. So I'm, I'm talking like very like surface level no, things. No, yeah, of course. But but you also gain, like you have so many connections. It becomes yeah. a brotherhood, right? Like you can go through a whole training camp with these individuals and then just bang. It, and that, that's the business side of things, It right? can become a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that because I chose for it not to personally mm-hmm. because it, it's tough when you build these relationships. I remember my first experience with that is got cool with someone. So I needed some headphones. Hey, uh, have it, just give it to me tomorrow. I come back tomorrow with the headphones. He's not here. Did you send back his headphones? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll never forget, like, there was a following year where there was someone that I thought I had, we're about to run, this is being in OTAs. I remember my OGs that called me out for it. I thought I had recognized this individual that you know, I got pretty close with the previous yep. season. And I'm about to walk, I get out of my line, I'm about to walk towards him and he turns and I recognize this is a face I don't know. And I literally go like, ah. And I walk back in line. My OG's like, damn, Kevin's like that. I said, bro, I'm not making any new friends. Wow. I'm not going out of my way. Mm-hmm. If it happens, cool, all for it. But I'm not going on my way to build right. relationships with some of these individuals where you're not mm, going to see yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, um, what's your worst experience with that ugly side of the business in the NFL? And do you have one that like kind of, I guess, sticks out? I would say my worst experience, someone that's affected me directly, um, when I was on the Jets. So I had signed a, a two-year deal with them. Uh, injuries have definitely been you know, part of my downfall, respectfully. Pre that that first year, injury prone, had surgery and, and uh, surgeries and a bunch of things that keep happening. But you know, I still did fairly well given my opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
And but I had an option, team option. They could choose to um, keep that contract or terminate it. Four year two. Four year Four two. Four year two. Yeah. So which is a little bit different than just signing a regular two years. Regular two years, a two year. But with that option is, you know, um, so I had met with the GM. And the first thing he told me when I walked in the room, he was like, first and foremost, let's just get out the, out the way. Um, we're, we're going to keep the option. So you're going to be here next year. I just want to let you know that so we can talk about other things. But let's just get out the way. We're all good. That's a good thing. Good thing. Great. Boom. New coach comes in. <laughs> new coach, new system. Respectfully, you know, you want your own guys. You take a look. You don't know an individual. See, oh, he's been out this many games. I don't care what you did when the time that you were here, but we're trying to go in this direction. The night before the final decision is made on exercising those options, I get that call from the same individual. Hey, I know that we had this conversation, um, but, you know, they're just moving in a, in a different mm. direction. And I've never put too much faith into things, but that hit me because that was one of the, probably the first time I really said, okay, you're good. Don't worry about anything. Cause mm -hmm. as blessed as I've been a lot of times, I've always in the back of my head, never get comfortable. And for a split second, mm -hmm. I got comfortable thinking like, all right, well that's taken care of. I'm worrying about some other things. And it, and it hit me tough and Fortunately, I'm you know, good and I had other opportunities, but it, it was tough. I, I, I was left a little vulnerable in that. Yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. So um, once it was just being told face-to-face, man-to-man, this is what's happening. Don't worry about that. From a high-level individual. Like, you're not just getting exactly. a yes from a scrub. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that was not the case, you know? And I'm I'm not the only one that experienced something like that. Oh, like of that's, that's 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 common. Yeah, it's typical. Common enough, I would mm -hmm. say. Um but I was like, damn. Like you you never know. That's so why even now, like if until something's signed on the dotted line, <laughs> I don't put any faith into that. Just, everything is just conversation respectfully. Wow. And that's probably now through experience that you're mm -hmm. in. But that's a great business lesson in general. Yeah, like no, even a seriously. great takeaway for me to to hear yeah. that. Because you get your feelings involved yep. and you might act out of character because mm -hmm. your feelings got involved. Well, you know, it's funny. So there was this big brand that actually reached out and like was talking money and, you know, I was getting really excited even for the, for the podcast, right? Yeah. And, and you're not talking life-changing money by any means. So for let's, sure. let's be clear, but like a nice little sponsorship, right? And then I, I go to like, you know, reply and I reply in the affirmative to basically try to move forward with this company. Oh, sorry, we already have a replacement for it. I was like, wow, okay, that's not that's not very nice to hear. But it's the same type of thing, not yeah. as big of a scale, but I get no. it. Um, so then from from uh, New York, you shoot back out to now Washington, right? So uh, so Seattle Jets, and then I went to the. The Bears. No, I, I lie. No, you were Seahawks, Chiefs, Seahawks, Jets, Chiefs. Yeah. Washington. I'm, I'm <laughs> Let me tell you where you were, Jesus. my brother. Yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> I got you. Um, but so what was I, I guess for me, dude, I'm such a uh I'm a I'm a routine individual, man. Mm. Like so thinking about moving different time zones and like, mm -hmm. you know, just packing your ish up and getting out of here, different cities and that being the norm, how long does it take to acclimate in these places and is it and it's really a skill it's got to be a skill like you have to be a disciplined dude to be able to be like in one place today 
next time zone tomorrow, mm-hmm. and now you just got to perform at the highest level. That sounds it sounds crazy to me to think yeah. about. Are you talking about game to game or team to team? Um, I'm talking about life, right? Gotcha. Because you can't be at yeah. your best unless you're like routines and the things that you've developed from mm-hmm. when you were a kid are in place. Like you have a certain formula for success, I'm sure, right? So like for me, it sounds just difficult. Definitely. How'd you how'd you manage that? So to to talk on routine, um, and I in my NFL experience, I'm extremely blessed because even though I've played for different teams, most of it has been by choice. I'm a free agent, um, you know, get to choose where I'm going to go. I had most of the time, I always had opportunities to go back to the previous team, but I had to learn the hard lesson too, like thinking that the grass is greener on their side. Oh, they giving me a little couple extra dollars. I'm going to go over there. And that was not always the case. Grass is definitely not always greener. And those couple extra dollars sometimes are not worth it. But to talk about routine, that was tough because going, a lot of people thinking the NFL is an umbrella. Every team is different. Every team does things to training rooms a little bit different. Um, when you practice, the the routine that they have is a little bit different. So, you know, spending three years in Seattle, I kind of figured out what I needed to do to perform at my best. Now I go to another team and they do, they practice at a different time. Uh, their training room program is a little bit different. Now I have to adjust. And it was mm-hmm. the constant adjust going from place to place. And it took a while to kind of figure out, okay, how can I, what can I do to create a routine here that was similar to what I've done before that I know I can have success with. And sometimes it worked out, sometimes it, it didn't mm-hmm. at all. You know, you go to certain places where a trainer has to be with you if you're going to go into the cold tub. Why can't I just go whenever I want? What do you mean the the, the cold tub, hot tub is locked? It's just their policy. Like just the, their policy, yeah. how they do things, you know? Um, and it was navigating that, you know, mm-hmm. the eating schedule, how the, the food is. Sometimes breakfast at certain places, you don't want to eat breakfast there, <laughs> you know? That's crazy to hear from the NFL. You think, Like somebody, again, outside looking in, you would mm-hmm. think that it's top wow. notch all the time. Some places are superb. And there's other places where it's like, man, I don't know <laughs> what this is, man. I don't as, know I, as I mentioned, we mentioned North Carolina. There's, there's some teams, they don't have kitchens. Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, these are f- first world things we're talking right, about. Right, so, right. Yep. But as you say, when you go to a certain level, there's a certain expectations where it's like, all right, at least this is getting handled. That's not the, not case, the case at all. So it was, to go back to your original question, it was very difficult to find new routines. Um and it took a little while. And um, that was tough. The moving part, finding out when to move, you know, you got family and all that. Um, there was definitely times, it was, it was a lot of learning opportunities is mm-hmm. what I called it, you know, where, you know, I'm I'm getting uh, U-Haul shipping containers. Now I'm spending all this extra money when I should have just got, you know, a pod and I'm probably, you know, advertising them a little bit, but, just trying to save money, ended up spending way more money yeah. with the intent to save. And yeah. it's, it's been a hassle. Um, but I've learned a lot over the years. And especially when it comes to like moving and things like that, friends always ask, hey, I got you. This is what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, this. experience. You know, this is who you need to contact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't always That's just tough, peaches yeah. and cream. Did you, um, yeah. did you ever struggle with being lonely? So I, mm, I, I know you yeah. as a 
you're a creative guy, right? You've always yeah. been like, e even back then, like we'd be on a bus or something and like Kevin's drawn in the background or, you know, doing, doing that type of stuff, yeah, always yeah. listening to music. Um, so were there ever times though, where you're like, wow, like, you know, financially, this is great, mm -hmm. but now I'm moving from city to city, got my family at home and now I'm lonely. Mm -hmm. My first lonely moment was when I first got to Seattle. So not when I first got to Seattle, but go through OTAs, training camp, you make the team, even though I was drafted, he's like, you never know. I've seen drafted guys mm -hmm. still get cut. And now I have my apartment, first little apartment, I have all my stuff moved in. And I remember when I finally closed the door, there's nothing else to do. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, well, now what? I probably slept because I've had my TV in the living room. I didn't sleep in my bed for probably like a month, month and a half. Really? Because I just felt lonely. lonely. I was like, I could watch TV, watching TV in the living room didn't make me feel as lonely. So mm -hmm. I slept on the couch for like a whole month, month and mm -hmm. a half. Um, and now for me to think about this, right? You're an NFL player. Yeah. So like a typical lonely person might just go out like, mm -hmm. and just meet random people, right? Like you have, you kind of <laughs> have to be strategic though about what you're doing. Cause you can't just move freely, right? Cause you're still representing an organization. You can't just let whoever in, yeah. right? That, that's something that I'm thinking about. It, it depends on the organization. And I was fortunate in you know, Seattle, there was a lot of vet vets mm -hmm. on the team. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people think, and it happens at certain places, Oh, after the games, everybody's going crazy. Man, dudes going back to their wife and their kids. Right. Like this is this is this is a job. This is really a job. And so, um, whereas if I were a part of other organizations, which I've seen where you know practice and stuff is is done, some of these guys getting together yep. and doing things, some things that they should be doing, some things probably not. Uh, didn't have that on that squad. I was still trying to figure it out. You know, I got to a place where everything was already set, culture was already there. Now I had to find my place. Mm. And um, I did whatever I could to try to navigate that. And it, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was difficult. I guess I want to hear financially, right? Mm. So, so I know you, I know the, the, you're not like a, uh, a flashy guy by yeah. any means, right? I know some players even that we know mutually that have, mm. you know, spent a lot of money quickly mm -hmm. and you kind of like find yourself in this place where you run out, you're searching for things, right? What was your, I guess, how did you remain disciplined? And then what's your like investment style look like? Like, are you into real estate? Mm -hmm. What type of like business uh, moves have you been making along the way in the NFL? Um, I'll say my foundation just came from my, I already experienced a certain type of life. I don't want to go back there. I know what that feels like. I know how it is. So what surprises am I going to surprise myself to go back there? Let's try to do something different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, especially being on the sea, I was around individuals who were just freshly getting fresh ink, fresh new contracts. And I didn't feel a need to, I was in an environment where I felt like I had to prove myself. Like these, I, we know what these dudes, what am I, what am I proving to them? Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, with that slow approach that I had, I also got the opportunity to watch individuals and how they would use their money and spend their money. I had a certain teammate, he would come to practice, to the facility in a fresh Louis fit every day. 
And if any of the homies ever see this or play with, they know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, and as the years go on, he was not one of them, but I've seen guys, you know, first thing they're doing, they're selling their shoes, then they're selling their cars. And there were certain individuals that I've played with, I know had more money than me. They go into the casino, some of them making my entire year's salary just off that night, true mm -hmm. story. Now some of these individuals, you know, um, reaching out because they're in need. Uh, overhearing conversations, some of these individuals calling player personnel that can't, you know, can't pay their mortgage. Um, and then I'll backtrack a little bit as well, because um, actually me being financially sound, relatively speaking, started with conversations with parents at King, the school right. that we went to. Um, there was a, a one parent in particular taking me to certain places. I got to see so much houses, crazy, cars, crazy. I'm a morning person, always been a morning person. So what that allowed me to do when I sleep over a friend's house, only person I'd up is me and the parents. So I talk with them. I'll never forget, he has a bunch of paperwork on the table. I'm walking by, he sits me down. He goes through some of the things that he's shown me. And he goes, uh, you like this? You like that? It's nice, right? He's like, I was like, yeah, you know, it's super nice. He said, I struggle, makes a lot of freaking money. I struggle every month to pay bills. Mm. I make a lot, but I spend a lot. And he was just trying to teach me like, there's, there's different types of drugs out here and how mindful you really have to be. And not everything is what it appears, you know, and getting older now and seeing some of the, the some families that had it all while you're at King, now they're, they're selling their house because mm -hmm. they're keeping up with the Joneses type of thing. And so I each at different times in my life, I've always seen examples of what happens if you do this. And so I've always just tried to be mindful with that. Um, so that's helped me, you know, be financially sound for the most part. I've made a couple of mistakes. Unfortunately, I've been in positions where, all right, Mm. Don't do that again. That was terrible. But you got out your system. You're good. Um, <laughs> would, then, would Miami 2016 be a night uh, like Miami. that? <laughs> oh, that's light. That was light. <laughs> we spent thirty thousand dollars on a tab. <laughs> I don't say what a crazy night was. I, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, relatively speaking, that was, that was nah. But nah, I've, I've <laughs> uh, shoot. Since we went, there, there, there was one night. Oh my god, man. There was one night. Uh, literally ordered so many bottles that one of the homies said, my fault, I'm off the mic. We ordered so many bottles one night. <laughs> one of my homies came to me, he said, Kev, we're good, bro. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we're good. Like, it's okay. It's all right, we're, 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 uh, few and far in between. But, um, it's always a time and place, right? But when it comes to like investments, um, it was one of those things where, it's just my personality, safe route. You like real estate? Um, yes. It's not something that I've dived too much into. But you, do you still have, so you you bought, when when you were in Seattle, you bought a property, right? Or no? Never. No. Yeah, oh, really? I didn't buy a I house. The house that I'm in now, the house you came to was the uh -huh. house that I bought. And thinking about it now, I should have purchased something back then, but mm -hmm. that, not for long. I've, all these stories I kept hearing of, Guys doing this, guys doing that. Yep. Next thing you know, they, they're they owing. I don't want to owe anything. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, debt was something I've always feared. I was so nervous with debt that 
I didn't have a credit card when I first got to the league. I paid with everything with my debit card. I never forget when I bought my bed and everything. It was a couple. <laughs> it was a couple grand. First in action, he's like, "How are you gonna pay for it?" I gave him my debit. He's like, "You're paying this with a debit card." I was right. like, "Yeah." Right. Exactly. And and just that fear kind of prevented me from certain things. They didn't know. All right, you got to build credit. You have to get a credit card to build credit. You know. Um, so with that being said, and me being nervous, I've definitely taken a softer approach when it comes to investments, investments. early on. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely could have been better with that, but fortunately for myself, because who I am, I've always been okay with what I have. And I base things off of that. Mm -hmm. I don't base things off of what I can get, what I might get. It's all about what I have right now. Um, low risk, low risk type things. Um, investments is something that I can give people a lot of advice on a lot of things with life, but it was something that I could not because, hey, I just do things based on who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'll much rather not make that much and be safe than the chance of losing a lot being a little risky. The risk first. It's going to bother right. me. So I, that's, just, yep. that's just not what I'm Yeah, I mean, do. you just even for, for example, you, you drive a great car, mm -hmm. but you've had that car for a long time now. Yeah. Right? Whereas you, it's not something typical that you would think about, right? Guys are all over the place buying car after car after car after car. Um, still mad you sold that Wrangler back in the day. Man. Yeah, that was nice. Nah, I, I had the white one. You had the black one. <laughs> I bought that off of a teammate. When I got to yes. league, now I'm on the team. I'm like, all right, well, now I need a car because I was renting the entire time. I was drafted fourth round. Um, shoot, I'll speak on it. You know, my sign-in bonus, which at that time, after taxes, it was like three and some, 300 and some change. That's a good chunk of guap, just keeping it just, real. right, right. I'm nervous. I said, I just can't spend, I'm not going to spend it. So I had a rental car the entire time I was in Seattle. Now I'm a couple weeks in. I'm like, all right, now I need to get a car. Talk to some vets. One of the guys had a bunch of cars, so I bought that Wrangler off of him. Yep. And it's funny, even when I had got the Tesla uh, later on, you know, I have individual friends of mine, yo, it's dope. So when are you going to switch it up? Like, what do you mean? It's like, when are you going to get a new car? I said, for what? <laughs> I have a car, bro. That's all I need. Yeah. I'm going. It's a nice car. It's but... a, and it's a nice yeah. car, too. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm all set. I don't like that. That's just that's just not me, man. Um, yeah. I, and that, that fear has helped me, but it's also hindered me with certain things because there's opportunities that I should have taken mm -hmm. that I did not. And just being nervous because like, all right, now I finally have this stuff. I don't want to lose it. I don't know if it's going to come back. Yeah, but you're still such a young guy and you have so many different skills yeah. that, you know, you'll be fine any route you go. For what's, sure. What's your, um, you done with football? Done. 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 Yeah. Statement, period. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> remember when I came back to play basketball that year that I took off, I'm mm -hmm. I'm watching a game. I got that itch. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I got to get back out and figure this out. And I'll never forget, I'm watching training camp videos of, you know, some of my peers are posting certain things and I'm watching it. I'm like, there's no part of me to say, yeah, I, I would like that right now. Mm -hmm. Man, it's it's a grind. You know, people, a lot of times people think we just run around on Sundays. The process that you have to go through, and I didn't really notice this until recently because I normalized a lot of the things that uh, we as athletes endure and a lot of things that I had to endure mm -hmm. with, you know, just building that routine. Um, you know, I was always one of those individuals, I'm finishing first in drills type of thing. A lot of that grind I normalize and I, so it was easy for me to do it. 
now I'm in a position where now I don't want to do it. And now trying to get back into doing that thing mm -hmm. and realize, wow, bro, you was you were putting in a lot of work because I I know what I need to do to be in to be in the shape that I need to be to compete, to be where my body needs to be. And it's like, that's a lot of work. And I never looked at it as a lot of work. Yeah, it was right. just what needed to be done. But now I, I get a workout in. Like there's there's a true difference between training yeah. and working out. Right, right. I get a little workout in. I, get a little workout. I did my little squat tober that I was I was excited about. <laughs> yeah, man. CV but, did that one year, right? CV squat tober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that was fun. That was fun. But um, what's next? Um, what's next for you? So, which is which is a great question. Um, what's next for me right now? In actuality, is today and tomorrow. For all of my life, I've always thought about the future. I've done everything planning ahead. Right, I'm going to go to the Marines. All right, what do I need to do that? Right, I need to go to college. Uh, right, I need to do this X, Y, and Z. Uh, which college? This and that. Everything was always planning for years in advance. And one thing that I've truly been blessed to have earned is a little bit of time just to... And I never got it a chance to just focus on today. And right now I'm taking that time to do just that, you know, work on myself, you know, I have the opportunity to be the best version of me because I have time, you know, bills are taken care of, um, daycare, everything that I need in the near future, I can do if I want mm -hmm. to. I've been relatively smart with my money, uh, I didn't buy some crazy house that I could not afford, which some people don't understand just because you can spend the money on something doesn't mean you can afford it. You know, like my house that I have, if I needed to, I could, I can buy that same house in cash with, with the equity. And that's not a flex. That's just saying, you know, I plan to live within my means, relatively mm -hmm. speaking. And I did that. So I could take some time from me. Um, and, you know, some of the things that you talked about, in, you know, in your other podcasts is the mental health aspect, you know, us, us doing what we can and however we're going to navigate that. And I have an opportunity to do that just on my own. I have the time to spend because that takes a lot of work, a lot of um, dedication, a lot of selfishness, too. And when you have other things that you need to handle, you don't have the opportunity to be selfish. So that's why I'm focused on today and tomorrow taking this time right now to be selfish so that let's just say relatively speaking a year from now, there's no excuse. You, you had the time to do that, Kev. Mm -hmm. So it's either you're going to use it wisely or you're going to waste it. So I'm, I'm using this time to use it wisely so that when I do step into my next, next in, endeavor, I'm not bringing any baggage that I've carried with right. me through the years. This is who I am today. And this is who I am moving forward. Um, Cause everything I've always had to carry it with me mm -hmm. and now I'm, I'm letting go of that stuff. And it's a process. It's a process. Cause when you really start doing uh, the real work and working on yourself, we talk about lonely. That's a different type of lonely. You realize certain individuals aren't meant to be a part of your life or if they're not a part of your life, it's um, you take them in doses, you know, understand there's certain situations. Huh? can't count on that person first, or we can't have these conversations. Um, and 
if I was worried about other things, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to be as mindful, once again, making myself the better version of me for myself and everybody else. So um, it's been a process and I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do such. And well-deserved, man. I love that. I love that answer. This episode is brought to you by Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening. Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening is an experienced teeth whitening salon where you can get up to seven shades lighter with just a 60 or 90 minute session in a professional and relaxing setting. They offer the most superior product coupled with the highest quality of customer service available to get you instant results. Whether you have an important event to attend, such as a wedding, birthday, anniversary, interview, or you are just unhappy with the color of your teeth, this LED light technology helps whiten your teeth fast and easy. At Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening, they understand how important your smile is to you. And speaking from personal experience, you'll be guided by highly efficient staff in a relaxing environment to reach your desired shade. Let them know you're a friend of Dave's from the No Snooze podcast and connect with them at HudsonValleyTeethWhitening.com or on Instagram at HV Teeth Whitening. Now, back to the epi. You said, uh, you said childcare. Mm. What, uh, <laughs> yeah, expensive, I know, believe oh me. Oh, my God. Um, what do you want to be remembered for as a father now? Mm. Right? And then also my follow-up question to that, I saw you speaking, giving a commencement speech back at our uh, old high school. Yeah. What was that message that you gave? So I guess two questions. What you want to be remembered for as a dad, to specifically yours, and then the message that you put out to youth today in, in general. I'm gonna comment on the commencement speech because mm-hmm. there's definitely some layers to that that dad part. So the commencement speech was such a blessing. Um, going to King, you know, fresh out of public school, I was a different type of cat when I first got to King. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that school changed my life really. And to go to a school where I, I wanted to, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get I'm like these kids aren't like me. I think we all did, right? Yeah, like you think it was yeah. the worst place ever, um, and it definitely was not, relatively speaking. So, to go back to be invited back to a place where you felt as though you never belonged, it 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 was amazing, and I used that time to talk about transition because. Myself, I'm transitioning out of the bubble. Realistically, I've been playing football since seven, eight years old. I've been in this little bubble. There's certain things I've understood and I've been taught because it's how we've had to go, how I've had to go about things. And now I'm transitioning to something where some of those things can't really use in the same sense. And these kids now going from senior year of high school to college, and it's such a vital moment. Because that's where I started to see changes in the same peers and their habits and where they are now. Some that are with us, some that are not with us. People that uh, lose faith, understand like you just have to keep putting in the work. So the the biggest message I say that um, I left them with was just saying like, there's not much difference between you and I. Like when I look at you, I see me. I see a reflection in me. I see a reflection of my peers. Um, you know, if you're if you're where you are at in life right now, continue the work. If you're not where you're at in life, continue the work. 
because I've seen both places where someone was at a great place and they stopped that grind and they went a thousand steps backwards. And those that were in a place that they wanted to, they gave up. They didn't have the concept. They thought that it was over at that moment. And then you have a lot of life to live. You have a lot of opportunities to change what you can do to have a better life. Because I've witnessed too many people give up and their entire life change. And it's like, just continue the work. You might not be where you want to be right now, and that's okay. And especially if you are where you want to be right now, continue to work because you don't want to go to another type of life. And um, that was the, the gist of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Great message. Yeah. Um, I so, love your uh, I love your take too on uh, traditional education these days mm-hmm. too, because you know it, it gets it gets convoluted because sometimes you see and you hear, oh well, education doesn't matter. You see the you know people what they think as a uh, mm-hmm. blowing up quick scheme on Instagram, and you know they don't see the the work that it takes to actually get there. Um, and there's a lot of people that I see like, oh, education doesn't matter. Education doesn't matter. Um, and I believe that it does. Mm-hmm. And you have two men that witnessed two completely different sides of the scope by the time we went to high school, mm-hmm. right? Like Mount Vernon, New York, mm-hmm. public schools is very different than Greenwich Public Schools to then very different from King Low, Haywood Thomas, known as King now. Um, all great experiences, but very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big believer in proponent of education and yes. I love the message that you that you put forth um what about your your own children um and the the legacy I guess you want to leave as a as a father I'm not sure what legacy I want to leave and be remembered by um because yeah, it's never crossed my mind to be remembered, to be you know technical. Mm-hmm. What I want is for them to be in a position where they're truly accountable for their decisions. At the end of the day, that's it. You, When you make a good decision, understand the consequences that come with it. When you make a, a poor decision, understand the consequences that come with it. And not be in a position where you feel the need to blame someone else for what you have control over. And that's that's my biggest thing because as we know, you know, kids aren't going to always listen to everything that we tell them. We didn't listen to everything mm-hmm. that was told to us, good or bad. So it's all right. Well, what can I instill in them to have them be a, have a life that they're okay with? You know, because might not be like me. You might not uh, be able to play in the NFL. You know, and that's okay. But be comfortable with yourself and be accountable for everything. And and that's what I'm trying to teach. Um, because there's gonna be a point just like where I'm at now, where I'm gonna be, of course, with my son, I'm gonna be talking to another grown man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a father at that point. I mm-hmm. can no longer parent. And we're gonna have to have certain conversations or we might be talking about some, you know, who he is. And um, that's just been my my focus right now. And with that being said, still keeping it open because I have to understand, you know, based on, you know, who he's going to be, um, things might change. But ultimately, just just be accountable for you. I love that. Um, I guess before we wrap up, I'm just curious. I see the Starbucks cup here, Mm -hmm. right? Seattle's a big Starbucks uh, world. You actually 
you did an internship at Starbucks and Microsoft. Is that accurate yeah. statements? So it was a little, uh, little internship slash job shadowing mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, took advantage of those while I was in Seattle. Would you uh, Would you learn over there? Because those are big companies, right? Like these are not these are not little little companies here. You're talking two of the biggest in the world. Um, was there something that I guess stuck out to you? as a business professional, whether that's, you know, how you handle yourself on the field or it's the next endeavor that, that you specifically got from these two organizations? Learned, learned a lot to be honest, but to one thing that stood out from small things I like to focus on one thing that stood out when I was with Starbucks and I forgot her name. She was a great person, but we're going through different calls and you know, especially like renting certain areas. And so I asked like, why don't you guys, you know, own the property? Because a lot of the spots, they don't necessarily own that property. And she said, well, we're not in the real estate business. I was like, that made perfect freaking mm-hmm. sense. They keep the main thing, the main thing. They do what they can do well. Like, there's a couple spots they might own, but their focus is not real estate. I'm like, wow, I would have never thought though you owned all these different Ooh. things, you know? And so learning that, so it was a small little moment. I was like, all right. That's like, big though. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. I was like, we're that's not what we do. So mm-hmm. that's just not our focus. That's exactly why. I was like, that makes perfect sense. And um, when I was with Microsoft on the team, this is when they were going over the um whatever laptop they came out with. This is shoot. We've Seven owned, we've owned apples specifically yeah. our whole lives. Even at, <laughs> even at King, we we were uh, very fortunate. For I think every, sure. every student every student had a a MacBook at, at um, in uh, middle school and high school. It's it's funny actually the disconnect that can be happening because like you know we have people that work for Microsoft, so they'll ask me certain questions. And Microsoft's one of the sponsors NFL. So when you go on the sideline and you try to go over plays, when you see people on the iPads, those are those are Microsoft. Uh, I forgot. Surfaces, yes, exactly. Like, like the, their version of a tablet or something, yeah. right? Yeah. I'd be like, uh, "How do I work this?" So <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll ask us all the time. So, yeah, like you guys use those all the time. I said, "No, <laughs> like, we just use it on game day." If you do, they're like, "What? <laughs> really?" It's almost like yeah. all this work we put in. We figure you guys are using this, giving it to y'all. Yeah. Y'all go home. It's like, no, we don't no. touch those things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you're a quarterback. You trying to look at a couple yeah, things, yeah. but um, sorry, I took you off. off no, track no, 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 <laughs> not at all. But um, the team that I was a part of, there's a bunch of different individuals, young to uh, let's call it more mature. You know, fresh out of college, a person. You know, there's another person that just came from you know four or five tours. Um, and I got to talk to each of them and try to figure out, you know, how did they get in this position and what mm-hmm. they do? And everyone had their own story. And I'll never forget the the guy that came from a couple of tours. Mind you, these are very smart individuals. He told me, he's like, I'm not smart like the rest of these individuals. Some of these guys and women can bang some of this stuff out 30 minutes or an hour. What, what I excel at, I don't. I don't, I can do the grind. It might take you an hour, might take me three or four, but I'll spend the time and do it. If I have to stay at extra, I'll do that. And that's what separates me. It's all about getting the job done. Mm. Doesn't matter uh, the circumstances is, can you get the job done? Which he got from being in the armed forces. It's not about how, did you get it done or not? 
which there was common ground when we were talking about that because that's what happens in sports. We don't care about feelings. Did you make the tackle or not? At the end of the day, we don't care about what you saw. Did you make the tackle or not? It was your responsibility to be there. Why were you not there? You weren't. It's results. Can you do what you need to do to achieve the results that you can? Um, once again, just small moments, mm -hmm. small moments. Yeah, no, but it, it was it was cool seeing behind the scenes of you know how the meetings go. Um, you, you know, I realized that a lot of people can do a lot of these things. It's just opportunity. Did you did you take advantage of the opportunity you had in that moment? In that moment, because it's, it's not it's not tough. It's it's not too tough. No disrespect, because there's some smart individuals. I mean, people that's creating things, that's a different story. Yeah. But you just got to get in the door and make sure you close it behind you. And a lot of those individuals did just that. Oh, I like that. Getting in the door, I always hear, but closing it close behind it. you. Close it. That's fire. Um, all right, finally, my last question. Yeah. What do you, I guess, what what area of your life do you, want to get better at right like i know i know kpl mm. the most competitive dude in the world um we're always striving to find things in our lives that we can improve yeah. get better with whether it's physically mentally business related anything mm. that you think of that stands out where you want to like all right i want to take this aspect of my life to the next level for me I was for a long time and still it happens over and over again. I, and I've mentioned it on the podcast, I believe, mm -hmm. but it's me really living in this present moment of my daughter. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that she is three and a half years old. Talk about like, it. Dude. I mean, Talk I remember when she couldn't even walk. And then I remember the stage. I was just telling, you know, an important person in my life last night when she's taking the things off the table and she's throwing it hmm. to now she's praying with me in a bed every single day. Dear God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Please keep us safe. Please keep us healthy. Hmm. And the other day when she did that, I was like, this chick is really, really growing up. Yeah, man. You know, so I, I want to be better because business pulls you in a million directions, your friends, your family, so many different obligations. But that's something I'm trying to be extremely conscious of right now. Is there something that sticks out for for you? I had a, a thought prior to you saying that. Um, so that thought was, you know, attaining inner peace. Mm. But... Um, when you're talking about your daughter, man, that's, I never would have thought where I'm at at life now. Like my son, he, he copies everything that I do. Like I always heard the stories, oh, they're going to follow you. Cool. Like I understood <laughs> that, but it's, it's quite literal. Everything, man. Like the kid's squatting in the gym with his little bar. <laughs> Every time, like he's fixing things around the house, he'll just measure random things. I'm doing housework. <laughs> yeah. Callie will never do that because I don't, I don't own tools to do that. Can, can you take Yo, Dave with you so I, I can I, measure some things? I don't own Yo, any tools. True story. I had a, 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 a parent moment. I was like, wow, this is where my life's at right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, doing things. I got a motorcycle. I'm doing things on my bike and I'm like wrapping it. And I grab what I thought was a tool, and it was his tool. It was a plastic <laughs> thing. I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. What, what are we doing? <laughs> That's but, funny. Um, to circle back on that, it's 
it's such a reality check for myself because there's things that I might not like about how I handle certain things. And I'm okay with handling it because that's me, but I don't want him to do those same things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, well, if that's the case, that means you need to stop those actions. And really do it, right? Really, and really be that. Yeah. I start at a school one. Because he's he's doing everything. Like mm. he's at school. I'm, I tell him, like, Cyrus, no. Now it's when he says no, he puts his hand up. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. And he's mimicking everything. And and I'm starting to see some of the things that I necessarily don't like about myself. And I might be doing something and I see him do it. And I'm like, he can't. Mm. That's you don't you don't want to live life that way. Wow. I'm okay with that, but so what I'm working on is being the best, best version of myself for him because I want him to go through life with a different perspective than I've had to have because I've always been in survival mode. That's a different type of thing. I remember I said at my wedding, I said, you know, my father taught me how to survive. My wife taught me how to love. And I didn't know there was truly a difference. And I don't want him to be in survival mode because when you live in survival mode, it's just a different type of energy that you have to carry. Um, and so really it's just focusing on everything that I'm doing. It's the small things, that that real work, that real work. Um, and I've I've done a lot, but it's just now I'm getting those reminders. You're nowhere near you, where you thought you were going mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask because you said it and it kind of hit me. I need to hear more about the inner peace. Mm. How do you, what, what, like you said, your initial thought, I believe, was to go there and then it kind of shifted to the parenting thing. Yeah. What does inner peace, I guess, look like for you? I'm figuring that out. Um, one thing I've realized, because I've dealt with a lot myself and I, I told us one day, I think someone asked me, what do you think is your biggest blessing? I think the biggest blessing that I've ever had is my ability to endure. Because I've endured a lot. Um, and some things I didn't know life anything different. So, um, but because of all that I've had to deal with and the feelings that I've had, I've always been, I don't want someone else to feel that way. Mm. Like, it's okay if I felt that way. I'm cool. I'm a big boy. I can do it. But like, that's, that's not a feeling that you want to feel. So a lot of things I've always focused on helping someone else. Hey, don't do that. I'm telling you, you don't want to go down that road. I know what it's like. You don't want that feeling. You don't want that stress. And with doing such, I never put too much focus on me and doing what I need to do for me. You spend so much time trying to do for others, you realize you just slowly been chipping at yourself. Mm. Then you get to a point where you almost can't recognize who you are because over time it's helping everybody. You're taking a piece of you, a piece of you, giving all the energy out. And now it's like, all right, well, you help everybody, but have you helped yourself? Can you find that piece to where no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on, you can always stay a consistent version of you. No more Mr. Hyde, no more Dr. Dreckel. It's you are, you are you, you are Kevin. And this is how you handle that situation, no matter the circumstances. So, um, you know, I've always, I've been a person, I can be affected by 
certain things and I'm just working on not, mm-hmm. you know, being, being okay, being okay with things being wrong. That's not in my control. I don't need to fix your problem. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes just don't say anything, you know? Um, and, and that's what I'm focused on now. Cause I've, I've seen what violence can do. Um, and I realized, you know, I need to reach that inner peace within myself. Yeah. And that's the process, man. Oh, man. Kev. Love. For real, man. I just want to say thank you for, for this conversation. Mm. Um, I look up to you as a man, even though, even though you're younger than me. <laughs> um, I think I am a little taller, so technically I do look down. Yeah, talk about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I just want to take a second, man, to acknowledge, uh, you know, the, the individual that you really are. And, and I think the, um, the impact and the value that you, you brought through this, this conversation. Um, how did it feel to go back, man? We haven't done this. Like, you know, when, when we link, we talk about certain stories from back then, but like, this was like a full blown, like, I don't know, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. No, it's, um, it shows that there's so much more that we can talk about. And there's a lot that we should talk about. Right. Because I think uh, what's great about this conversation is that there's an exchange, you know? There's things that you can share with me, things that I can share with you. And we've just, you know, cracked the surface. So I'm looking forward to the conversations that we have on, you know, a personal level. Um, And when you talk about going back, you know, one of the things that, you know, you brought up off camera was, you know, when I was... (laughs) <laughs> when I was younger, I'm not going to say when, uh, at a time that uh, shouldn't have partaken in some of the activities. Um, first time, you know, ever got a little, little liquored up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dave's a, Dave's a confident person. Um, you know, we're at a party or whatnot. And I don't know where I hear someone goes, well, nobody can drink more than me here. <laughs> I, a competitive person, I feel like... No, he's talking to me <laughs> directly. I felt some type of way about that. <laughs> so we're taking swigs. Um, we're taking swigs out the bottle, which I thought we both were. And Dave's going, gulp, gulp, gulp. And me, I'm taking real swigs out of this freaking bottle. And because I'm so stubborn, I said, I can't lose. I can't lose. And so I'm going for a while. And it wasn't until probably like a years later that I found out Dave was never drinking from the bottle. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> like he either had his thumb on it or the top. I wasn't really paying attention. And man, I'm we're going back and forth. I'm talking <laughs> six swigs at a time. True story. Like, true story. That was a whew. That yeah. was a tough night. We had just lost to Hopkins. Yep, yep. I'm running into walls, <laughs> calling out dudes' numbers. Like, nah, I'm gonna get him next time. I was like, boy. Oh my god. But um, no. So I'm telling you, like things like that. So that that's yeah. one of the funniest stories ever. And I forgot about it until years later, and then we spoke about yeah. it. Um, but that was one of those moments, like, you know, I I was very good at that type of stuff, yeah. getting into people's heads for sure back then, right? For sure. Um, and even now, I try to use it to my advantage. But that was a moment of like, welcome to high school, my brother. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and for I sure. think somebody did that to me too. So yeah. I, I think it was one of those uh, initiation moments, if you will. Oh no, man, <laughs> like Dave, Dave was uh, he was a person that we looked up to. You know, we were young, um, and he never he was older than us, but he never made that a thing. He respected, you respect, I'm talking about, 
you right here. You respected us as as the individuals that we were. Um, and I think the greatest thing is you were just yourself. You didn't try to be like anyone else. I can't say Dave's like this person. No, Dave is Dave. And that authentic authenticity is um is rare, and especially at that age, you know. And that's led to a relationship that we have today. You know, there's been short years that we haven't chatted, mm -hmm. but the love has always been there. When we link, when we see each other, it's all love because those moments were built back then. And, um, you know, especially you know, us being a little younger, just more of a way, a long way to say, you know, we, I, I appreciate you. And there's others that might not have said it yet, but we all appreciate you for the, the men that you are um, and the men that you continue to be in the, the work that you're putting in to be a better version of yourself as life challenges, you know, get in the way. And you still chugging along, you're still doing your thing. And it's it's impressive, man. You know, people can look at some of the individuals that come on your podcast and see all their accolades, this, that, and the third. And there's a reason people feel comfortable around you and the people that you bring around them. Because you're one of those individuals, if you say that this person's cool, I already know that person's cool. Your friends are my friends mm -hmm. type of thing. So um, it's great to go back and, and laugh about certain things. And there's a fluidity between going from then until now. Because all it is, we're just talking right. about a full story. Yep. What's led to this point and then what's going to go on after that. So thank you, man. No, man. Thank you, Kev. Um, guys, we hope you found uh, value in here. Kev, before we close out, though, let everybody know where they can connect with you. Um, well, you can connect with me on social media, Mr. Hyde underscore 24. I don't post much. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big social media guy, but um, yeah, that's that's Yeah, that's no, I mean, I'm but at, even... Um, you know, like I, I get texts all the time from individuals that just, you know, the, the podcast episodes just hit home with them, yeah. you know? So if somebody just even shoots you a DM or something like that, yeah, um, I think that's a great way to find you. Um, and no. yeah, man, thank you for, for the, the value that you brought to the, the community today, to community today and your, uh, your vulnerability, man, mm. you know, that's something that we, we consistently talk about, I think on this, on this platform is, um, basically being, making that a, an okay thing. You know, like, it's okay, man. Like, we all went through things, and now we're here, and we'll continue to go through things every day, every season of our lives. Uh, but you're one, and I think that word endure is uh, is perfect for you, man. You've endured every um, every tough piece of your life, and I know as those tough times come, you'll continue to, to get through it, man. Yeah. Um, happy to be a friend of yours, a brother of yours. Couldn't be more grateful for, for you today, man. Yeah, and, and lastly... Talk about vulnerability. One thing that changed my life, truly, the power of vulnerability, TED Talk by Brene Brown. Mm. Um, for those that are listening, please check it out. Men, check it out. Change my entire perspective. I would say I truly would not be the man that I am at this point right now. I would have got there eventually. It just took longer mm. without listening to that that speech about the power of vulnerability. We talked about being around men, masculinity, all these different things. Learned a lot from that talk. So mm. once again, thank you for bringing that topic. Yeah, man. Um, guys, so whether you've listened to one episode or 164, 
we just want to say thank you for your support. This podcast is uh, is spreading and it's growing, and that's only because of you and uh, you guys sharing and subscribing um, and, and really rocking with the message of what the No Snooze mindset and lifestyle is all about. As always, you can shop the latest merch at nosnoozeshop.com. And until next time, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. KPL. I'm still mad about that. That game. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Bro, I got, I got I'm still mad. Thank you guys for tuning in. That's another Epi in the Books. You can follow us on Instagram at Most News Podcast and leave us a five star review wherever you listen to us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most News. Shop the latest merch at Most News Shop.com. Come on.